Welcome to Get Right for Sunday, a podcast designed to help you prepare for Sunday and beyond. I am Pastor Wright, and each week I have a conversation exploring the Bible readings for this upcoming Sunday. Join us as we discuss how the lessons are applied to our daily life in Christ. Welcome to Get Right for Sunday. I am Pastor Wright. And I'm Vicar Hill. And today we have the joy of talking about the resurrection of our Lord, Easter Day. And this is not to be confused with the Easter morning, which is the sunrise service, which has its own readings. And so if you would like to hear the readings for the Easter Day, the resurrection of our Lord, you can do so by listening to the readings podcast that was dropped previous to this text. The text for today that we're going to pretty much stay on is from St. Luke, the 24th chapter, verses 1 through 12. And this is the first day of the week. This is the day after all the horrific events of Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, the waiting of the vigil. Now we have the celebration of Easter. And it's really interesting because I don't know how much celebration is actually happening in the text. So first of all, Vicar, when somebody dies, what do you expect to happen to that dead person a couple of days later? They're expecting to find a dead body. So I, I think this is interesting. And I the reason I asked is the whole idea that these women go to finish preparing the body. They go with uh, myrrh, aloe, all these other stuff. And I read somewhere, it's like 120 pounds worth of stuff. And so I'm pretty sure they're, they're, they spread this out amongst them. But what do they go to find? They're going to find a dead Jesus. Now, with that, I don't want to impinge their faith, but they didn't get it. They, I don't know how many times Jesus said, predicted, prophesied, flat out told them, I am going to be handed over. I'm going to have a trial. I'm going to be beaten, tortured, crucified, and I'm going to die. And then three days later, I'm going to rise again. He said this multiple times. Any idea why the women still expected to find a dead Jesus? Um, I I want to say that it's just they've never experienced anything like this. Um, and, and you can say, well, maybe he said this and maybe they didn't remember it at the time that he was predicting his own death and resurrection. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you could say, you know, they, they thought this might happen. Maybe they thought the resurrection he was talking about was this final resurrection mm-hmm. that would take place someday. Uh, so, yeah, well, he has to die, but maybe someday he will rise. Maybe this was a figurative three days. So you never really know what's what they're ex- expecting here. But the last thing they're expecting to find uh, is an empty tomb. Well, let me, let me push this just a little bit. So in Palm Sunday, specifically the procession gospel uh, from St. John, we have the statement that the crowds are following Jesus because they saw him raise Lazarus from the dead. So the whole idea of the dead coming back is not foreign to especially these women. So again, I'm curious, and we don't have an answer, and I'm not expecting one. But the whole idea that 
dead people have come back in their sight, in their view. And what I, I like about this is how do you raise yourself? Mm -hmm. And, and I, I think that's interesting because, again— they fully, as you said, fully expect to find a dead Jesus. I think with that, uh, the the X factor there, the agent of change mm -hmm. that's missing with all the other resurrections is the one who did the yeah. <laughs> the raising. So as you you just mentioned, it's hard to raise oneself. They they've seen people be raised by Jesus, right? But they've never seen anyone raise themselves. So it's it's a little different. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I, I want to point that out because, again, the whole idea that people coming from the back from the dead, we see it in the Old Testament, we see it in the ministry of Jesus. But as you said, the agent who's doing the resurrecting is now dead. How, how is he going to, to raise himself? Okay. So you got the women, they're walking, and they find the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Right there, I'm curious. Why are they in the tomb? This is, and again, just the whole idea that they're expecting to find the stone rolled, or the stone in front of the tomb. And I'm curious, because I, I believe it's another gospel. It might be um, uh, Mark or Matthew, that they actually ask, how are we going to roll the, the, the stone away? But I think it's interesting. On the onset of them showing up, they see things that are not right. Mm -hmm. and, and I think of like, you know, the horror, the bad uh, horror movies where they always go into the room or they always go into the house. They always go into the place that, you know, the bad guy is supposed to be. Again, I think this is interesting. The stone is rolled away and they enter. Again, fully expecting to see Jesus. But they do not find the body of Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, and I would love to hear the questions, where is he? Mm -hmm. and, you know, and, and I don't think it was just, hey, Mary, where is he? The, the conspiracy theories that immediately start developing, who stole him, who took him, where is he? And I'm just sorry, take a guess. I don't bet, I do not think one of them said, oh, he rose from the dead. I don't think that was on their fourth one. I think it's, <clears throat> excuse me, I think it's the Gospel of John where it, it mentions um, that Mary even asks, what have you done with my Lord? So it's yeah. this idea, almost like a there's been a grave robber that mm. came and, and took the body away. Um, and just on the, the human level, the, there goes the closure um, that they were expecting to get yeah. by, by anointing the, the body with these spices. That's all been taken away in their eyes in this little moment that we have because they're expecting to find the dead body and it's not there. Mm. So something's not right and they get this impression that uh, someone else has taken him away. So at this moment, a resurrection is not even really on the radar. No, I completely agree. And they're thinking earthly, and why would they not? This doesn't make sense. This is not natural. And it gets worse. The supernatural continues to, to show forth. Two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And again, I, I'm curious, and this is just me. Do they just appear? Do they, you know, walk out of the wall? You know, how do they show up? And why aren't the women scared? And every time I see and hear this, I always wonder how scared I would be. I, you know, and ooh, yeah. It says they were frightened. Right. But they're, they're, these are amazing women. 
And they were frightened, and they bowed their faces to the ground. That, that's a position, posture of worship. They're recognizing that this isn't just, you know, a, a phantom spirit or whatever. There, there's something big there. And the, med said, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? And I love that statement. And this is to, to, again, point to them that Jesus rose from the dead. He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and third day rise again. And again, I'm curious, are these women making the, connecting these dots? Are they making these connections? Or are they still just... What's happening here? I mean, that's a lot of information to take in. Um, from the onset, the stones rolled away. Two men in dazzling white uh, uh, robes. Nothing is right here. And even he's not here. Why do you seek the dead among the living? Because he died. And I, I just, again, just... Amazing. So with this, uh, I'm thinking of when I went through all my education classes in college, one mm -hmm. thing they talk about is this idea of scaffolding. Uh, and it's very similar to when you do scaffolding on a building. But what you do as a teacher, someone who's trying to, to um, convey information, is you give enough uh, information that builds people up mm -hmm. to the point where they can understand it on their own. Okay, oh, so that's yeah. the idea of scaffolding. You're mm -hmm. kind of building up... To, to meet the needs so people will understand something. This seems like a good example of scaffolding because the, the two men here, they have to build the women up to a certain point where they finally, everything kind of clicks into place and then they finally remember. So they kind of, they you said, connecting the dots. That does happen, but they need some assistance. And yeah. so they're reminded of what Jesus said earlier. And, and rightly so, they need uh, assistance. Um, we hear... Often, the disciples don't get the full picture until Pentecost, well after the resurrection, well after the ascension. And so, and just like us, we need a lot of help. And I mean that in a good way, not throwing anybody under the bus. And they, the women, remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Jonah, and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women— with them that told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them as an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Again, I, I love this. The women show up. Jesus is not there. An angel showed up and told us that he is alive. And everybody's like, whatever, he died. He's not there. And, and what, what do they say? Idle talk? It seemed like an idle tale. Yeah. And, and I, I can't imagine that. I, I just, he, aren't these men and women waiting for the resurrection, the promise, the fulfillment of the one who said he is he? And they take it as idle and they did not believe them. That's huge, and, and that's hard. And again, on an immediate surface level, I get it. People just don't come back from the dead. But Jesus again and again and again has proven himself 
not just another guy, not just another prophet, not just another anything, but the Messiah. And I'm curious, and again, this is one of those things that we'll never know, why? Why did they not believe? Why wasn't there, oh, and they hoped, even though they struggled in unbelief, or, you know, something like that. (laughs) Um, It's hard. I was reading something on uh, Peter at the end, looking at Peter specifically. uh, It described Peter as being in a state of transition, uh, because this initial reaction is kind of what you mentioned, this, ah, unbelief, disbelief. Right. He, he doesn't really buy it. And then when he goes to the tomb and looks for himself, he goes home marveling. Mm-hmm. So this transition that seems to be taking place of uh, disbelief, thinking it's an idle tale, right. to then actually going and seeing for his own with his own eyes that something has happened. And then that kind of turn to, okay, maybe there's something to this, this mm-hmm. marveling at, at everything that's taking place. So it's an interesting kind of, just looking at Peter specifically, um, the, the different stages that he seems to be going through in this one little verse here at the end of the gospel lesson. So well, let's make this a little bit bigger. What do we do about this for us today? Especially in the the promise of the resurrection, the Easter celebration, this is the high peak of the church year. Jesus is back from the dead. This is the proclamation that all his sacrificial life has now culminated to the defeat of sin, death, and hell. What do we do with this? How do we believe? How do we trust? I didn't see him. You know, so, you know, all those things. So one thing uh, that you can't overlook during during this day of Easter is that this was something that was totally new. Now, mm-hmm. we already talked about Jesus raising other people from the dead, uh, but all those, those cases involved a person living, a person dying, a person being raised, and then at some point, dying again. Mm-hmm. With Jesus here, something completely different is happening, and this is Jesus living, dying, being raised— to never die again. So this is a completely different type of resurrection. And this is the type of resurrection that we are promised mm-hmm. uh, that will come when Jesus returns. This this resurrection from the dead that has no end. Yeah, this is the true first fruits of the dead. And uh, I like that because um, a couple um, Sundays ago, we heard in the Old Testament, look, I am doing a new thing. And I always love that verse because it's thrown around to, um, I have a plan. You know, the pastor comes, I have a plan. And look, the prophet said he's doing a new thing, and that new thing's here. That's the new thing, the the promise of life everlasting, the promise of death will no longer come. That new thing is the fullness of Jesus coming. And what I really appreciate about that is that's the gospel promise, and that's the gospel proclamation that should be given every Sunday. Every Sunday is a little Christmas, a little Easter. It's Christ coming to us. That, that's his uh, incarnation. That, that's him coming in the flesh. But it's Easter, his death and resurrection, which is your death and your resurrection. And going back to something that you said, the whole idea of that uh, transition uh, that Peter is in, I think that that's a state that we're in. I always like the season of Advent because we should be in a perpetual state of Advent, that anticipation and expectation of not only the coming of our Lord, but the coming of our resurrection and that marveling. How is it that God does this for the likes of you and me? How is it that he knows what needs to be done and fulfills it 
for me. And this is the hugeness of this text. This happens for you. And not that I want this to be centered on me and all about me. It's about God's work to and for me and that inclusion into this story. And that's always hard because I actually don't want to be included. And what I mean by that is I, I don't want any focus on me. I want God to do it all. And this isn't because I, I'm so pious. It's because if I'm connected to this, what will I mess up? What will I miss? Um, you know, many times reading this text, I think, what would I do? And I always really fear that I would be one of the people that's idle talk. That's just a story. That's just nobody comes back from the dead. Even though I may have witnessed all the miracles Jesus did, just that natural, nobody comes back from the dead. And, and as pastor, to proclaim that and, and with a straight face and with hope, with joy, so that others see that. that that's a huge thing. And why is it that we don't marvel at this in every Sunday service? Why do we not marvel at this at every Bible class? Why don't we marvel at this at home when we're reading devotionally? Why don't we marvel at this so much that we truly seek and desire to tell other people, do you know what happened? And do you know what happened for you? Sounds like you really uh, identify with doubting Thomas uh, yeah. after, the, <laughs> after yeah. the resurrection. But I think this idea of being included in mm -hmm. what was going on here is that, I mean, we go back to that word that Paul used here, the first fruits, that Christ is the first fruits, meaning there's more to come, mm -hmm. the first of many. Uh, this isn't just a harvest of one, but right. there's going to be much, much more to come. This, this is just the the preview, the, the first step of what's going to happen. And that's where we kind of fit into the picture, because that's the promise that we are given, that just like Christ was raised from the dead, so we will rise. So this, this is where we get to step into the story and we get to uh, kind of wrap ourselves in the promises that are given in the resurrection of Christ. Well, and these are the promises that, that give us hope. And this is the, the promise that really sees us through all heartaches, all suffering, and even sees us through death. And what's amazing about this, and I remember talking to a shut-in about this, uh, I really do look forward to the resurrection. I really do look forward to forever and ever in the joyful reunion of all my brothers and sisters in Christ. I will also be very open. I'm not looking forward to getting there. That's death. I'm not excited about death. Do I fear death? I would really like to say with a straight face, no, because I know it doesn't win at the end. But that doesn't mean that I wanted to come any sooner. And, you know, everybody always just wants to die in their sleep peacefully. And that's always hard because we need to remember that heaven forever, the resurrection, is really brought into existence through our death. And it's not our work or anything, but it is the wages of sin is death. But it doesn't stop there. And this, again, is the hope, the promise that we see in the resurrection. This is the, the, the life that we get to live. It's the life of boldness, knowing that even though death looms, death doesn't have the final say. Death doesn't have the final grip. Uh, I, I love the imagery. I don't think this really happened, but again, I like the imagery that Jesus broke the tomb open because death couldn't hold him. 
um, shortly after this podcast, I, I get to do a funeral. And again, that's the statement that I get to tell the grieving family. Death hurts. Look at the women. They go to continue the mourning process, the burial process, fully expecting to deal with death. And I love this because it's really smacking them in the face. Life is here. Uh, the angels, why do you seek the living among the dead? And, and that's us. That, and I really, really like what you just said. The first fruits, it's not a one and done. It's not a harvest of one, but this is the first of many. And we're that many. And it's hard to remember because we get caught up in the minutia of life. We got get caught up in the details of this daily life, and we lose the bigness of life forever that we have right here, right now, and not yet. So with all joy, with all excitement, I, I look forward to celebrating the resurrection of our Lord and the connection that that is my resurrection, that is your resurrection, and we have the joy of this celebration. And again, it's not just this one Sunday. We do this every Sunday, and every Sunday is the promise, the reminder that Christ has come, Christ has died, Christ lives, and you too will live forevermore. Thank you for listening to Get Right for Sunday. I know that your time is valuable, and of all the things that you could have watched or listened to, you have chosen to deepen your biblical understanding with Get Right for Sunday. Would you take a moment to give a five-star rating of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform? This actually helps others to be able to find Get Right for Sunday. Again, thank you for your time, your prayers, and support.